This has been an interesting discussion. You never know where these things are going to go. And I think the title of this podcast should be Crypto Sleep. We talked about crypto, cryptocurrency, and then we ended it with sleep. So, crypto sleep. That's what I'm proposing. You can do whatever you want. It's your podcast, but I'm throwing that out there. I'm not even charging for that. And so we will call this Crypto Sleep. So, Jeremy and I talk about the cryptocurrency stuff, and he asks about Elon Musk and uh, if he should be held accountable about these tweets that upset the markets. And I say, well, you know, I, I don't make this point in there, but I'm like, you know, just because you become famous, do you lose your right for free speech or what? Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But everybody always reacts and overreacts like, well, this is irresponsible. Okay, well, then you become a CEO and you can do it differently. But you as a news anchor don't get to tell us what a CEO of a company uh, should and shouldn't do. That's for his shareholders. And if you don't like that as a shareholder, you can sell it or try to change things, whatever. So anyway, I'm in a little bit of a feisty mood today. So um, I'm going to try to not talk so much. So anyway, here's the uh, conversation with Jeremy. And by the way, you're being recorded. I have a question for you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the whole uh, wild ride, the whole uh, cryptocurrency has been on lately? And is Elon Musk uh, being irresponsible in the way he's kind of, I don't know, people are, are so tuned into what he says about Doge or uh, Bitcoin or whatever. Is he being a little irresponsible? Everybody always brings up irresponsible when somebody of significance says something and it changes things in the environment. It's like, oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, that's the world we live in. If you, if whatever product can't handle the stability of somebody making a tweet, then it is what it is. You know, this is not unique to the Bitcoin market. This is what mm -hmm. stocks do all the time when they bring the CEO on and ask him some questions or when the quarterly earnings statements come out and they're not up to somebody else's opinion of what the uh, corporation should, should have done or, or what they thought the corporation was going to, to, to do. Even if the corporation itself said, no, we're going to get this and they get it, you know, you know how that is. You've, you've mm -hmm. mentioned it before. But I think uh, this is, I have some speculation on this. A friend of mine also, he just, he just sent me a, a video of Robert Kiyosaki talking about Bitcoin. And Robert mm -hmm. says, Elon Musk is a smart boy. And uh, he said that because, you know, Robert Kiyosaki is in his 70s, and so he can call Elon Musk, 50-year-old guy, a boy, I guess. <laughs> uh, and I have, you know, could be wrong about this, but I think, like, the only thing that may, okay, so first of all, I don't think Elon Musk got into Bitcoin and then, oops, oh, I just found out that Bitcoin uses a lot of resources. I guess it's not eco-friendly. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, and then I, it crashes 38%. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. You know. This is not, this, this wasn't like a haphazard, oh, he's irresponsible. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He got into Bitcoin and now he realized that. It, no, we all knew this was already, this was already the case. He's buying up more Bitcoin, I guarantee it. And he only liquidated the the official thing is is to make sure it was liquid liquidatable, maybe for the shareholders or whatever. All he has to do to change that 
is put some sol- solar panels on a gigafactory and have some servers in the back, and now they're net neutral on their carbon footprint. Yeah. And then they but can hold their own. Is he personally mining though? Probably, I don't think so, not yet. But if they held their own Bitcoin on their own servers, and they had that, uh, you know, fund, you know, energy, energized or or supplied by uh, solar panels, which they haven't done yet. I don't know why, actually. Probably trying to get the solar panels to a certain capacity so that they could have the whole factory run off of solar panels, which is their goal. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done that yet. They they put some solar panels on there, but they haven't done a lot. I I could be wrong. Maybe he did like change his mind after he bought a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. I don't. But he is pushing Dogecoin, and he's saying it needs to get like a hundred thousand times more efficient. <laughs> it's kind of a lot. Well, the very nature, if I'm understanding it correctly the very nature of cryptocurrency is the longer it's mined, the more processing power needs to be applied. Like uh, the very first time I heard about Bitcoin, and I don't remember, it was a long time ago, maybe 2014 or it was, it was, it was, uh, it was like 30, 40 cents or whatever. It was really, you know, cheap. Uh, People with their personal computers at home could mine them. And it wasn't like, oh, you'll mine a Bitcoin in a month. It was like, oh, you can mine a Bitcoin like uh, every day or so or every two days or whatever. So, you know, I didn't know anything about that. I was like, well, whatever. You know, you can't tell. Sometimes you just cannot tell. So I was like, yeah, I I, I don't know. And I just kind of blew it off, you know. And you kind of didn't hear about it for a little while. It kind of was under the surface there. You'd hear about it occasionally. And then, I don't know, like, Two or three years ago, I said, here comes Bitcoin. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe I could mine. Some. Oh, no, it takes uh, it takes uh, 16 months to mine one coin. I'm like, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> and that was when it was at, uh, you know, four or $5,000 a coin. Now, I don't know, what's that, 30000 or whatever. But uh, yeah. now, I, 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 from what I understand, because of the complexity of the um, – the, uh, What's the word? Encryption. Uh, the more and more coins you make, the harder and harder and harder and harder. So it's an exponential curve curve upwards. So uh, it's not possible to not use lots of power for Bitcoin. And, you know, by the time, if they ever mine Bitcoin all the way out to, some, I thought I heard or read somewhere that by 2040 it'll all be mined up. But if let's just say hypothetically they mine all the way to 2040, which is only, uh, what, 19 years from now, uh, that it would require, like, massive, massive, powerful computers just to eke out that one last Bitcoin. So I don't really think that last Bitcoin will be like a million dollars or whatever, and the processing power will be more uh, powerful uh, then, too. It will, but I don't think it can keep up. It's not like, I don't think uh, Bitcoin pays attention to Moore's Law, so I I think it can actually outrun it. Which is what you're seeing happening. Yeah, I don't know if you can yeah. hear that rain or not, but it's starting to rain on me, uh, and I'm oh. in the van, so it's kind of loud. But uh, I don't. My, my point is, is, isn't the same thing eventually going to happen to Dogecoin and, and any uh, blockchain currency? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I do know somebody said that if 
Bitcoin, if, if people start uh, mining more Bitcoins and the, the amount goes higher than, uh, than it is supposed to, it will purposely make the algorithm more complex to slow it down. So it'll jump it up. I don't know if it works the other Is that built in or is somebody actually moving a dial? No, it's it's decentralized. Nobody's able to do that. It's it's programmed to do that. Yeah. Uh, really wow. Can you hear that? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's we got this noise cancellation uh, Bluetooth, like from uh, Blue Parrot. It cancels out ninety-seven percent of noise. You can stand in front of a Mack truck. And uh, it'll. Oh, let, let me put some. Let me put some. I guess that'll be better. Okay. Are you there now? Yeah. There we go. All right. How's that sound? Much better. Yeah. Okay. I'm on the. Uh, ear, but I can actually hear you better because now I got the earbuds in my ear. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're in a frying pan. It's so loud. Oh. Oops. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I I I would think that. As Dogecoin starts to mature, or any of these Ethereum or whatever, uh, it would get harder and harder and harder. But I don't know if all of uh, cryptocurrency is made equal. Well, here's what I propose, and I don't know if I've done this on a podcast or not, but the the best currency would not change in its actual value. So it would be self-diluting based on all the holders thereof. So its actual value shouldn't change compared with demand, you know? So well, well and, and um, Bitcoin uh, doesn't. You, you already have what you want. What, what you're, what you're uh, uh, calling value is just the devaluation of the money going flowing around Bitcoin. But yeah, you have a static supply and a variable demand. You know, so just like I said in, uh, when I was talking to Mike Madano, who was saying, I don't trust it. I mean, I don't know what trust means, but yeah, things go up and down. This definitely goes up and down because of that. You've got a variable demand and speculators. I told Kyle today, I mean, this isn't the first time that Bitcoin has done this. I pointed out, you know, in 2018, there was the floor. I identified it probably more in 2019, 18, somewhere around there. I noticed that the floor was rising. And I said, I think this floor is rising and we're going to get a new high. And, it's, of course, it's going to come back down and it's going to form a new floor. And I told them today, I bet that new floor is going to be around 30,000, you know, give or take. And then it, it'll probably go up from there to so 100,000. Something like that, or maybe two hundred thousand. I mean, this stuff is exponential. Well, I, what you're seeing is um, people eager to get their money out of the the dollar, the American dollar, because it's so devalued now and it's losing its power rapidly. Um, thank you, Federal Reserve Bank, for all the. Oh all this my goodness! They just. They've unleashed it. They just like like it's going out of style. Trillions mm-hmm. and trillions and trillions. Like, right. have we not learned from Venezuela and where's the other ones? Uh, you know, all throughout history, this happens every single time. No, we haven't. You know, 
when there's an overconfidence in a currency like we have in the dollar, and of course, yeah, the dollar is is going to go up if there's a big, huge uh, collapse of some kind in the stock market. The dollar always rallies, but that doesn't mean it's going to stay up. You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to stay it's going to stay elevated until gold and all this other stuff starts rising again. You know, it's like in football. You're you're number one until you're not. So, <laughs> yeah. Meaning, uh, the U.S. dollar will always be the world currency until somebody can come along and um, do it do it better. And I yeah. think that's what you're seeing with cryptocurrency. People are going, yeah. hmm. Wait a minute. You can't print make an unlimited amount of cryptocurrency. Hmm. Yeah. If I get my my twenty twenty dollar or twenty twenty one dollar in the Bitcoin now, uh, that's going to be worth two or three dollars in the twenty twenty two or twenty twenty four or whatever. So it's um, yeah, I, I, I you know what the fact that that cryptocurrency cannot be uh, centralized or decentralized ultimately will probably be the the downfall of it, meaning because the the world bankers can't control it. Uh, you're already starting to see China go, uh, hey, um, it's gonna. They, they want to make that all illegal because they can't control it. And I think oh yeah, see, yeah. Oh, I, I've got to forward you the video that my friend Kyle sent me because uh, that's what Robert Kiyosaki said. He's like, yeah, they banned it in 2013 and 2014 and 15. He's like, this is not the first first time they've done it. Also, what he said was uh, the B in the, the you know the quadrants, right? The mm-hmm. B quadrant stands for mm-hmm. branding, and what has a brand name? Well, we got three top ones, really, and Bitcoin's the number one. So I think that could be a world currency, but I don't know how that works concerning. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, so because the, the central bankers can't control it. I, I, this is what I think will happen if they truly start to see Bitcoin as a threat or or a cryptocurrency as a threat. They'll say uh, you can't. It's not not a legal tender. So well, that doesn't matter when you're talking about world currency. There's a reason why you can park your uh, international funds over in what is that country? Uh, Puerto Rico or something like that? Well, not Puerto Rico. That's the U.S. You're 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 Cayman Islands. This, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But you're looking at this like. Um, as an American thing, I'm saying you would have most of the world banks, the Chinese bank, the UK bank, the United States bank, and say, so, yeah, you can't, you cannot transfer legally. So everything would have to become illegal. Um, it would be like saying, it would be like saying you have a trans. I will trade you uh, one kilogram of cocaine, and uh, for whatever amount of dollars you you know. Uh, it's worth or whatever five hundred. I don't know what cocaine's worth. What's cocaine worth nowadays, Scott? Anyway, about uh, seventy-five, you know, dollars per okay. kilo. Okay. Uh, okay. No. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know you know. Anyway, uh, they may, they, you know, cocaine's illegal, so it's not going to be. I don't think that if the, if the central bankers make that uh, all illegal, I don't. I don't know. I don't see how that's going to become a place where people are going to take their cash and stuff in it. Uh, 
Well, it, it'll find it, it, it. All that does is it pushes it off one step further away, and all they have to do is trade it for dollars, and then bring those dollars into the U.S. or whatever other country or euros or whatever. Yeah. Right, but who are you going to find to buy it? Other people that are doing the same thing. If there's demand for some, there's demand for more. You know, there's going to be some kind of demand. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Honestly, I don't know. There's there's always going to be some kind of demand for Bitcoin, but I I don't think that's an infinity rise. But uh, wherever it lands out, and it, it, the more stable it becomes, um, the more it'll be used, and that'll still push it up, but just not as quickly. It'll be slower yeah. over time. So uh, I still think it's a good time to buy. I would wait a little bit longer. Um, maybe try to get it to maybe twenty eight thousand or whatever. Yeah, don't put everything into your, but don't take, put your four hundred one k into a bit Bitcoin or anything like that. But you know, you could put ten, twenty percent if you're really ambitious. Maybe a well, little bit more. It's so expensive now, though. Unless you're very wealthy, you ain't gonna buy Bitcoin. You have to buy a, a derivative, like a, like your your grayscale Bitcoin trust or whatever. Right? Yeah, great. Yeah, definitely grayscale. Yeah. And then when you start talking about when you start talking about derivatives, that's uh, whew, that gets kind of spooky because you're like, what exactly am I paying for here? I ain't paying well, for Bitcoin. Can, <laughs> no, because you you can't get a Bitcoin by cashing in your derivatives, but you can get dollars, and that that matters. Yeah, but there's a lot more instability, instability, sorry, uh, with derivatives than there is with. Uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin but, is very Yes, volatile. because they only open at certain times and Bitcoin's always open. So they have to adjust accordingly. So, yeah, they're going to swing to match whatever the Bitcoin is. So, who, the, the, the grayscale Bitcoin trust or whatever, um, do they show you, like, how do, how do you know that they own Bitcoin, that, that trust? How do you know it owns Bitcoin? Well, I'm sure you can go to their website and they can. You know, it'll, they, it'll show it. it. It could just be promissory notes or whatever. Will in kind, you know, they're not going to give you a Bitcoin derivative. No, 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 that. no. You can't get a no. G, GLD and then say, "Hey, I want to turn to my GLD for actual gold." Uh, they're not going to do so it. So, in, in, in a strange way, a uh, a derivative, a Bitcoin derivative, is basically like a a. a Reserve note dollar, right? Yeah, the, the yeah that's why you could have a lot. Yeah, the, the reserve note dollar was worth something until it got decoupled from gold. And, I, and if they ever do that, well, then you have inflation again. Yeah, so the, they, they aren't recommended by people like Mike Baloney and Robert Kiyosaki. He's not going to recommend you do any derivatives, but what are you going to do? Like, what, what what's better, waiting till you have thirty-seven thousand dollars to buy one bitcoin, or or getting into a derivative and having a by, chance at by the time you have thirty-seven thousand dollars, it'll, it'll be sixty grand. You know? Exactly, six hundred probably. Yeah. Uh, I I always think about all these companies that I saw, you know, founded from the ground up. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't like to get in the, you know, I'm not a market kind of guy, stock market kind of guy. So, it, but I look over, you know, I kind of peer over every once in a while. I'm like, man, I remember when, when Uber went public, man, I could have bought some of that. I could have bought a lot of that. It wasn't super expensive. 
man, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is now, but it's way more than what it used to be. Or Google or Apple. I mean, I wasn't yeah. around when Apple was founded, but uh, in 2000, probably 2004, 2005, whenever it was, Steve Jobs came back. Um, you know, you could have got Apple. I want to say it was like sixteen dollars a share or something like that. When I first learned about stocks, I went back and I checked out Apple and Google, which I knew at the time when I learned this, uh, it was like about 2007, 2008. I came back from Afghanistan in 2005, and that's when I had the money and nobody I knew knew how to trade or anything. I asked all year long, and uh, there, there was only some options, find a broker or a bank or whatever. So I went with the bank and, you know, they made $500 and I, I got my money back after a year. So um, so I, I didn't do that that much. Yeah, I, it was a good savings account. But anyway, I retroactively checked out, well, what would happen from then till now if I would have invested in Apple or Google, which I knew there's no way I would have ever chosen those because I didn't know what a, why a search engine would have been economical at all. Mm-hmm. And Apple didn't seem like a good choice given the situation just a few years prior, almost going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did it. In, in my, you know, $10,000 would have So that was like, wow, this is what I could have done. And, and if just keeping it till now, I, I, could, I could retire right now. If only I had the knowledge. I had the money. I came back from Afghanistan with $28,000. And do you remember I, do you remember what those things were worth when you checked in or when you got started getting into the stock market? Well, I I retroactively fitted $10,000 in and it was one of them was 80,000 and the other one was like 110,000 or something. Yeah. Uh, Apple and Google. I checked those two and I'm like, "Man, man." <laughs> That's great. So that's why I got into stocks, right? Unfortunately, right after I got into stocks, the entire economy tanked. I didn't get into stocks. I didn't have any money. I was running a lawn business and barely trying to make it because of the big recession. And then I wanted to get sent overseas again to try again. And in 2011, um, you know, I, I was on my way, and then they cut me from the mission. Uh, just randomly, they, they basically had a lottery: who's going home, who's staying. And well, it, you know, it wasn't a horrible deal. I found my wife, and I got married. So I guess that's kind of valuable there. I guess. Um, no okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it turned out pretty well for me. But uh, and then you know, yeah, I filed bankruptcy because you know I I was unemployed, and I only had like eleven thousand dollars which would be nothing today, but back then when you're making zero dollars, you might as well have to pay back a million. Yeah. Right. So, so, and that was from the failure of the lawn business because of a great recession and not being able to get well established to weather that. I, I think about, I think about with the exception of maybe mm, 2009 or so when I had a really bad year, uh, everybody was having a bad year for the most part. But uh, my in my winter cleaning business, I I almost I almost I almost tanked. I mean, it was pretty bad. I lost so much business. But uh, other than that, and maybe about ninety four, well, about ninety five, ninety six, uh, my business was really slow. But other than that, I've had a pretty good run. 
And I was thinking, man, if I had, of course, I didn't know about infinite banking. It wasn't even really a thing until about 20, 25 years ago. But, uh, or, or real estate. I thought that's what rich people got into. I couldn't do that. But, uh, that was my mindset anyway. I'm like, where, where would I be today? Oh, you man, are limited by your own mind, which, which you know, yeah. right? Yeah. Now yeah. you, you're, you're broken free from that mentality. Yeah, yes, same and thing, no. like- yes and no. I mean, I was listening to a podcast uh, last week, and uh, it was uh, Bigger Pockets, and uh, he, the the guy, one of the hosts, he has an assistant, right? And the assistant just bought his first, like, duplex or whatever. And uh, he asked the assistant, well, what are you going to do now? And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to look for maybe buy another single family or maybe a duplex. And now the, 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 the host guy He's doing syndication. He's doing apartment complexes, mobile home parks. You know, he's balling, right? He goes, why don't you just go find you a 40-unit a, a apartment complex and buy that? And, uh, the, and the assistant guy's like, well, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't do that. He's like, yes, you can. It's all, it's all in your head, man. And the assistant yeah. was like, uh, whatever, bro. And I was like, so I was like, you know what? I'd probably be like that assistant. Because the thought of buying a giant apartment complex, I wouldn't even know where to start. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Hold on, let me stop you for a second. Is there a way to adjust your microphone? Because you're like way over amplified there. Pull it away, maybe a little bit. Sure. Oh, well, actually, I could probably go back to uh, the van now because it quit raining. Well, it sounds, yeah, it sounds good. It just sometimes it's like. Am I distorted? You know, the amplification. Yeah, it distorts it on the amplification. But you're right. It's, it's They call that limiting belief, you know? You kind of limit yeah. yourself. Uh, I, I'm i trying to, uh, <laughs> pun intent, not well, I'm, I'm, I'm hyperbole. I'm trying to beat that out of my family, you know, like uh, all the time. I hear, I hear I'm trying to beat that out of my wife. You know, yeah, well, I'm not actually beating her, but I am like beating her over the head about it because I won't yeah. shut up about it. But um, I, I'm, I'm so tired of everyone telling me what they can't do. And I'm like, you know, yeah. yes, you know, bull tap. Don't, don't tell or me. Or when people, you people say they speak out the negativity first. And uh, well, it's true. I like nothing about the future is true. So everything you say about the future is a lie. So therefore, you might as well lie in the positive and not in the negative. You know? mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. that and made that obviously. You've heard you've heard, read the book uh, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in there, he talks about that, and um, you know, ever, there's something ever- to it. Do you ever find that you've read so many books that you have lost like <laughs> tremendous amounts of some, yeah, some like, people can recall, oh yeah, I remember when I read this book eleven years ago, this one chapter really changed. I'm like, how do you do that? I don't know how people do that. Indexing, you have to you have to try to remember I, I don't have them all, but certain things I try to index and that way I can grab them and refer to a book. That way people can hear the book. I, I just quoted a book today. You know, other truck drivers, so it's not like they're going to listen to anything. But uh, it's a, you know, because we're talking about names. Oh, and you, you, everybody says this. Oh, I'm not good with names. Nobody's good with names. Everybody sucks with names. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But here's how you can do it. And so I referred to uh, Dale Carnegie's book. I, I believe it was Dale Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Probably one of the most important books people could uh, read. 
and he talks about how to learn a person's name. Actually, one of their names is Jeremy, and I'm like, well, you, you don't look anything, you're nothing like the Jeremy I know, so it's going to be a little bit difficult to remember your name, but... <laughs> Uh, but you got to attach meaning to it. You got to use their name in the conversation and everything else. Yeah. When I was a little, when I was a little kid, like six years old, my best friend uh, was named Scott Carson. So ah. I've always had. He moved. Uh, we lost contact. You know, this was the '80s, so it's not like he'd get his cell phone number or anything like that. We lost contact with him. Um, the combination of two brilliant people, Scott Nutter and Ben Carson, absolutely. <laughs> There you go. Uh, but it, what I tend to do is I extract ideas and concepts, and then I, I, they amalgamate into this, you know, customized Jeremy idea. And I know I'm not the author of it. I know I, I know I'm taking a pinch here and a pinch there, and I'm kind of mixing them up. But people will, will tell me all the time, you know, I'll I'll, I'll say something, and uh, that's my brother. He does this all the time. He goes, you know. One time you told me blah, 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 and that really changed the way I thought about work. And, I, and I'll go, I did? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I, I have no memory of doing that, but it sounds great, you know? So Yeah. My, my friend Robert, or my friend, uh, yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, you're, you're, you're your old buddy Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Frederick Adams uh, just talked uh, the other day, or on the last podcast we did, he says, you know, you learn from these people, but the knowledge becomes yours. You know, it it becomes internalized. Have you ever thought you came up with something and then you realize later that you got it from a book? No, I, I'll no? tell you why. I tell you why because I'm I. I don't. You're not really as egocentric as I am. No, <laughs> no, I I, I don't. Well, I, okay, let me give you an example. I thought that I had thought of, for some reason, and oh, I God, should hold, know hold, better than hold, oh. hold on. Hold that thought. I got something coming up to me real quick. What's up, man? You all right? I'm on the phone. We should do lunch next week. Okay. How much notice do you need? I'll be out here on a Tuesday. Like 30 minutes? Oh, you always got stuff you're doing with your wife or something. Oh, well, yeah. Really? No. Give me about an hour because she's off school. She's out of school Wednesday, so. Okay. I'll need, yeah. All right, I'll holler you. Right. Okay, I'm back. I saw somebody. I, I didn't want to pretend I didn't see him. So, uh, so you said I, that, I thought, yeah. I thought I came up with the idea that what, what you, if you can take responsibility for something, you can take control. You know where I heard that from? It's called Jocko Wilnick. I was listening to, like, 10X or something by Grant Cardone. <laughs> He's the one that came up with that. I'm like, oh, that's where I heard it. I thought I came up with it. What's the name of Jocko Romney's book about? Uh, hold on, what is that book called? Um, what's that accountability or something? What's that book called? Where um, and that's basically where he takes that whole concept is you you can control what you take responsibility for. If you don't, if you say it's not my fault, it's not my problem. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Be, uh, be something or be average. No. Oh, Hold on. How can I not on. remember the title of this book? I can't even. I, I remember half of it. Extreme ownership. Oh, is that what it is? Extreme ownership. That's what I thought you were going to refer to as extreme ownership. How U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. Yeah, you recommended that. Something a book like that, Navy SEALs. That guy's intense, man. He gets up 4:30 every morning and exercises. And 
Well, I beat time. him this morning. I woke up at 3:50. Ugh. Yeah. I don't. But I, just, I don't have. I to... went to bed. Uh, Go ahead. I went to bed at like nine, and it, that's a little early. I wouldn't have thought I would have gotten up that early, but uh, yeah, I did. It was a good morning. I did my exercises. I did meditation. I did some writing, and I recorded the next segment of my uh, series. So here's my issue that I have as far as getting up early. I <clears throat> it takes me. I can wake up. I can shower. I can be cognitive, uh, you know, but I'm not truly awake, awake, so probably 10 o'clock. Now, I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, right? So people go, what are you talking about? You don't wake till 10 o'clock. Well, what I'm saying is is that if I wake up at 6 o'clock, I get in the shower, I'm out out of there, I'm dressed, fully dressed by 6.30, Yeah, I wake up my son. And, you know, my wife gets up around 6.30. I come downstairs. I make coffee. If I were to sit there and, like, try and read my Bible, it would be lights out. I'd fall right back asleep. I'm, I would get super – I would get drowsy. I would get drowsy. So what I'm realizing is I actually stay in a sleep state uh, for a while. And it's not until about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, where, man, my brain is, like, popping with stuff, right? Like, right now, it's, like, wide awake. And it'll go from about 10 o'clock to about – Three or four, and then I start to fatigue. You know, you've been working all day. It's hot. You know, mosquitoes, whatever. You've been working all day, and you start to get a little tired. And then you, my brain starts to shut down. So uh, it, it's very rare that uh, after five p.m. I have a spectacular idea. All of my best ideas probably come between uh, the old Rush Limbaugh hours of eleven to two. <laughs> uh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't. So people go, man, you know, and I and I and I want to. They go, you need to get up, you need to get dressed, pray, and uh, spend maybe twenty, thirty minutes reading your Bible. And I'll say, are you kidding me? If I get up, get dressed, and I pray, about five minutes in, I'll be, I'll, I'll fall right back to sleep. Uh, or if I if I don't pray and I just start reading the Bible, even though it's really good. My eyelids start to get super heavy, and I'm like, I don't want to go back to sleep, you know. So, so I don't know. Are you a night person? Uh, yes, I am. But the problem with being a night person is, is the uh, I call it the rule, the law of diminishing returns, which I know I did not coin that. But so I love doing research and reading about stuff at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night, midnight. Uh, but the problem is, by after midnight, I do actually start to get tired, right? And I can really want to know something. It can be one thirty in the morning, but my brain's like, hey, Jeremy, seriously, I know this is really fascinating, but I'm tired, bro, and I can't think anymore. So sometimes I'll kind of get a second wind. You know, I'm like, ooh, I didn't know that about this. I understand this concept now. And, uh, and it's like going uphill. It's like having a four-wheel drive, and you're – the, the the hill is getting steeper and steeper and steeper. And eventually, it doesn't matter how much willpower and drive you have to want to read, yeah. uh, you start to slide backwards. You can't get traction anymore. So Do you usually yeah, go to bed about 10 or 11 or 12? I generally go to bed between 10 and 11, yes. Okay. And you get up at 6. So that, that gives you about seven and a half hours. Yeah. But I see, I don't know what the quality of my sleep is. I, I think... Sometimes it's not. It ain't so great. 
Uh, well, but uh, I, yeah. I read a book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep, and that is worth listening to. But you don't have to get the whole book. You can just listen to it. You know, he's got a Joe Rogan podcast. You, that's good. That's two hours. But you can get a shorter version, too. You get the hour version of his presentation, you'll get most of the stuff. What's his name? Matthew Walker. Just look him up on YouTube, and you'll you'll find It'll be on there. And you can pick whatever length of time you want. If you don't want to get the book, the book's eight hours. I'd, I'd get it. I, you know, <laughs> I, got, I did I get it. Three, I, got, I got three credits sitting in my eyeball burn a little hole in my, my phone. Yeah, definitely get that one because the sleep, actually his talk for TED Talk was sleep is your superpower. The only problem with that is it's only 20 minutes long. You're not going to get everything. But he does have an hour-long presentation. You'll get a lot. I listen to all of them. I know this because I listen to all of them. What's your hot take on it? Like, tell me what, what you got out of it. There's about a half a dozen things you, you have to do. Uh, you have to know about sleep. Number one, temperature is the most important. You should have your room at about between 65 and 68 degrees. And you, okay, you don't need right a lot there, of I, can you, I can tell you right there, that's not going to happen. So people, oh, okay. I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, but they are... Uh, Try cool down, cooling down the temperature. You'll fall asleep and you'll sleep better. Okay, that's one thing. So you don't. I mean, he says 65. Uh, we do 68. You know, and 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 our room isn't actually 68 because of our house problems. It's probably more like 70. The rest of the house is 68. As soon as we walk out of our room, we could feel the difference. We we have a ceiling fan that runs on medium generally over our uh, bed. And our thermostat is generally set at 73. Uh, my house is weird. If you set it at 74, it's like the, the depths of Hades. It's, it's like so hot. If you set it at 72, you can see your breath. It's like, what the hell? You know, it's, it's like, it's like a, that thermostat. And it'll run sometimes when it doesn't even feel that cold or warm in the house. It's like, man, even I'll be like freezing. And other times, like, what I, I'll tell you what, what I found is, uh, a lot of what gets me overheated is lack of air movement. So I can comfortably sleep in 73 as long as I have, like, a breeze, like, blowing on me. I can sleep like a baby. Nice. Okay, so the next one is lighting. You want it as, as dark as possible. Even if you have light on your skin and you've got your eyes completely covered, the, the, the light on the skin actually uh, is is not good, you know, so... Not you that light, so like, light on the skin. Yeah, so they did an experiment. It's in the book. Uh, they put light on a skin, even though there was they had the, the eye mask on and all that stuff. It actually changed the quality of sleep just having light on the skin. So, so no the light. Person, no, there was no light coming into the eyeball. It was just on a, a part of his body. Yeah, yeah, and that really? made a difference. Yeah, it That's was a measurable nice. difference. Wow, um, I didn't know that. Obviously, no blue light several hours before you go to bed. Uh, dim several the light. Hours? Yeah, probably two hours, oh, hour and a half. So by uh, 8 o'clock, i got to go. No phone, no computer. Well, uh, for me personally, I don't notice because Apple has the uh, the blue light dimmer, right? So on my yeah. laptop and my phone, doesn't seem to make a much of a difference. I could turn my TV down on the lowest setting. And it still seems to affect my ability to sleep. My uh, my phone, my Android phone, and my iMac both have 
uh, that blue light thing. What's really interesting is sometimes when I get up early, it'll have the, uh, on, I'm on my iMac, it'll have the uh, blue light, whatever they call it. It kind of gives it like a bit of a tannish color, you know? And then it, it turns off because it's like, oh, it's 7 o'clock, bud. You should be awake. And my eyes were like, ah, why did you do that? I, I like yeah. it the other way. You know? like, exactly. Yeah, know. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I have that turn off uh, maybe 6, 7 in the morning. It turns on probably 6 at night or something like that. Same with my phone. Um, so that's another point of it. Um, so temperature, darkness, and blue light. Yeah. Uh, having a night routine. Well, if you take a shower before bed, that helps. You know, like a hot shower or something, your body will actually cool off faster. That With can a hot really, shower? Yeah, because it, it, yeah, it, it makes all the blood uh, rush to your skin, which makes you cool down faster. And it'll actually, you'll lose a lot of heat. And that, that'll put your body in a good place. Because you want to initiate this. Obviously, oh, uh, no alcohol, okay. Uh, even if you yeah, even if you have alcohol earlier on, he says if you've had it at all at during the day, any time after breakfast, uh, it's probably going to affect your sleep. They've measured it. Caffeine as well, and this is I didn't know this, but this is why two years ago I quit the caffeine to try to see if that would improve my sleep because I have some in the morning, but after 12 hours you still have 25 percent of the caffeine in your system, give or take, depending on your metabolism. So here's here's I got I got something to say about caffeine. Um, caffeine sometimes does something to me, and sometimes it doesn't. The the last night uh, I normally will drink three cups of coffee a day. I'll drink two in the morning, and then I'll get a, a, a decent-sized cup or mug in, at night, or say, four o'clock, five o'clock, right? Uh, but last night, I got home, and I was kind of I was kind of dragging a little bit. I was like, you know what? I didn't get my second cup of coffee, or my, my third cup, technically. I asked my wife. She had trouble sleeping the night before. You want some coffee? She's like, no. Well, we have a little baby pour-over, you know, a little pour-over, you pour it over the hot yeah. water over. I made myself a cup of coffee like right before dinner. I was taking my last swig of coffee when my wife slipped the plate in front of me like, boom, here's your dinner. So it's kind of weird going from coffee to dinner. But uh, I slept like a baby at, last night, so I, it didn't do anything. But sometimes uh, it does, and it'll keep, it'll keep my mind racing for hours. So I'm kind of weird with the caffeine. Yeah, so even if you fall asleep, and some people can, he says it doesn't matter. They've, they've measured. This is a neuroscientist, Dr. Matthew Walker. Um, he says they, they've done the, the brainwave activity, and it, it, it affects it. It definitely affects your sleep. I forget which part, REM or, or deep sleep or whatever. Um, so those are all tips. You know, I try to hit all the notes. I'm probably missing one. Um, but... Uh, I have to wrap this up anyway because I'm about at my location. So real quick, I have noticed that for me, uh, hitting hitting the cycle is uh, that's a baseball terminology, but hitting my sleep cycle is more is the most important thing for me. So it used to be it would hit ten o'clock, I I would be like, yeah, I'm a little tired. We'd be watching Netflix or whatever. I'd go, yeah, it's time to go to bed. I'd go to bed and I'd lay down. And I just stare at the ceiling. I couldn't fall asleep, and I would stay awake for an hour, hour and a half, right? So 
uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was, it was 10 o'clock. I was like, you know, I'm not even that tired. I don't want to just go to bed and look at the ceiling all night. So I said, I'll just I'll do it. I'll watch TV until I start to get drowsy, and then I'll go to bed. So it was like 10.35. It was like 30, 35 minutes later, only 30 minutes difference. And all of a sudden, I noticed my eyes are getting heavy. I'm, I'm, the sound's starting to go out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bed. Slept so much better. Every time I've done that, I sleep so much better because I think I was, I was trying to force it instead of letting my body tell me, okay, now I'm ready for bed now. And uh, I just don't push through it. I just uh, listen to it and say, okay, I'll go to bed. Yeah, one of the tips he says in there, if, you're, uh, if you can't sleep, get out of bed. Do something else for about a half hour or so, and then try again. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, trying to sleep when you're not tired is, is like trying, is sitting at the table, you know, waiting for your hunger to arrive, you know, it's like, but here's another one, more important, importantly, you know, of course, at the beginning of the sleep cycle, you get more of your deep sleep, at the end, more REM sleep. If you go to bed later, you're interrupting your physical restoration. If you wake up earlier you, uh, than normal, you're interrupting your REM sleep, and therefore your your cognition isn't going to be as good. Is, is he is he in favor of naps? Because I like naps. Naps are good, yeah. Because uh, the question came up about you know when women have to get up like several times a night. You know, yeah, taking naps helps. You know, uh, to try to mitigate some of the disaster. But really, what I've surmised from all this, I've summarized it. Think of sleep as a program, a uh, an, uh, an AI program, right? It's it's mm. it doesn't know what's going to happen in the night, so it has to prioritize different things, right? So if you if you do things consistently, then it can rely on that consistency, and so it will have a more complete program to match that. But if things are changing, it doesn't know what's going to happen. And it's going to, you're not going to get good quality sleep at all because it doesn't know when you're going to wake up or when you're going to go to sleep or whatever. Right. Well, I would say that, uh, that is, this has been an interesting discussion. You never know where these things are going to go. And I think the title of this podcast should be Crypto Sleep. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about about cryptocurrency and then we ended it with sleep. So, crypto sleep. That's what I'm proposing. You can do whatever you want. It's your podcast, but I'm throwing that out there. I'm not even charging for that. Yeah. Uh, well, this also, this already cost me $2 an hour to record, so. <laughs> I, I don't feel uh, guilty. Yeah. Because <laughs> I took your time, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, crypto uh, sleep. That sounds applicable. Yeah. 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 Uh, put it on uh, Facebook, and I'll share it out. Awesome. Will do. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. And so there it is. Crypto Sleep is in the can, and we'll do more podcasts in the future. And do like Jeremy and share this. And uh, the more we get an audience, the more we're going to be pressured to get higher quality. And uh, we are working on means right now to integrate that. I'm going to get a new headset i paid 200 dollars for this thing and it's great for listening not so much for speaking so um anyway thanks for listening share this and subscribe if you're not subscribed 
and uh, make me a non-truck driver in the future. I could retire early from my truck driving if only I can build a podcast. Joe Rogan doesn't need all the money in the world, okay? The rest of us want to make some money too. I could live off of 50 grand a year, okay? That would be a downgrade for me, but I'll take it. All right, anyway, thank you. Bye.